If you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 34 uh, real quick, and we'll do our opening devotion, and we'll break off into our, uh, our, our classes. Let's pray. Father, um, Lord, we just want to thank You for being who You are. You're God, and you're, You are who You are, and that's where our joy is, Lord. And, and Lord, we just want to thank You that, um, Lord, regardless of where our heart is tonight, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what's going on around us, Lord, we can find joy in You because You're unchanging. Unlike everything else, Father, You are unchanging. And I just ask You right now uh, to, to help us focus on You, Father God. Help us put... Uh, all the distractions and everything that we bring in with us, Father God, all of our heaviness, um, everything that's happened throughout the day, help us just leave that at the door, Father, uh, or better yet, just give it to You. And, and Father, I pray that You would speak to us right now, Father God, through Your Word. Just talk to us, help us remember who You are and, and what You say about um, our inheritance what you say about what you want to give us and what you want to do for us and, and what we can count on you for in all the seasons of life, Lord. So we just pray that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, the, the world that we live in, to be honest with you, I was thinking about this today, the world we live in, it, it seems to be filled with injustice and pain. That's, I know that's a grim way to start it, but it's true. The world that we live in seems to be filled with injustice and pain. And the problem with that for us sitting in this room tonight, right now, is that that takes a toll on all of us. Whether we realize it or not. I think sometimes we kind of sit in the simmering pot of our society or this world around us and we don't realize how much we're really boiling and how much we're really breaking down. Kind of like meat in a slow cooker. It gets more tender and more tender and falls apart. And it happens over such a long period of time, it doesn't even realize it. I think we're the same way. But sin pulverizes us personally and it flays our families and it crushes our communities and it torments our towns. Because of the effects of your sin and my sin, as well as the sin of everyone else in the world, all of our world has been turned over to corruption. And the result is this. Many of us tonight, right here, in this room, in the pews, or listening over the podcast, are heavy-hearted, and we live in a world full of people with crushed spirits. That's what we live in. That's who we are. And if that's not you tonight, I guarantee you, if you've lived very long, that has been you many nights. And if you haven't lived very long, or if you're not going to die anytime soon, that's going to be you again. Because that's the world we live in. We can't escape it. It happens. So often we feel like the world is kind of collapsing around us. And I think maybe it's because the whole world seems to have gone mad and we just don't see how we can exist much longer in this world. This is what I mean. Let me give you a few examples. Isaiah 37.3 says this. It says, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth and there is no strength to bring them forth. Guys, that's the world we live in. That's Mississippi. That's not just New York. That's not just, you know, some other, you know, some liberal state. That's Mississippi. In a nation where millions of babies every year sit in the wombs of their mothers waiting to be born, yet their mothers have not the strength seemingly to bring them forth, but rather they give them over to be slaughtered, how can we feel anything but distress? 
That's just not right. It's, the world is gone upside down. Have you ever sat and thought about the world we live in and thought, this does not make sense? How do we live in this? Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You know, for us in a world where right is called wrong and truth is slandered for the cause of wicked desires, while evil is celebrated as being right, how can we help but share in the woe that oozes out of the festering sores of the society around us? Perhaps... The heaviness in our hearts tonight is more personal. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do so much with, you know, big things that affect us all like abortion or, uh, you know, pornography or, uh, you know, the, the, you know, all the things that come with all the political baggage that we have. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with that. Maybe it's more personal. Um, in this fallen world, we seem to be disappointed at every turn, don't we? Anybody ever been, you realize that in life you get disappointed often? Yes. yes. All the time. <laughs> Especially if you hadn't got good at settling for less, right, Joe? <laughs> All jokes aside, though, we get disappointed often. The children whom the older have invested the most, who have invested in the most, wound their hearts with the negligent arrows of their choices. The friends that promise to be dear have turned to bite you. Sickness has begun to tear away at the body of the ones that you care about the most, and the minds of our dear elderly have begun to diminish around us. These are things that touch all of our lives in a very personal way. And this is not to mention the persecution that arises from those unexpected sources on a seemingly consistent basis. All of these things and more have, I would say, probably many of us feeling devastated, depressed, and or troubled. That's the world we live in, right? Those things surround us. The pressures and the stresses seem to be unending. But for believers, there's a consolation that we need to kind of rest on tonight. We need to look at and we need to really chew on it. In Psalm 34, verse 8, real popular scripture, um, it exhorts us saying, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. And that, you know, that's one of those verses, you know, Kyle and I and Brother Tony, we always pick about. That's one of those coffee mug verses, you know. Everybody wants that one on the coffee mug. Nobody ever wants some of those verses on there like, you know, God's going to crush the wicked and all that kind of stuff. You don't see a lot of those on coffee mugs and t-shirts. But this is one that would probably be on there. Uh, and, and we like thinking about that. But here's the question. How can we taste His goodness when the heat of all the fiery trials around us have our tongues swollen and dehydrated? So that we don't seem to be able to taste anything good in life. Have you ever been through a time in life where it's like things around you have gotten you in such a state where even the things that you should enjoy, you can't seem to enjoy? you ever been so stressed out you couldn't enjoy your children when you went home? Yes? you ever been so stressed out that you couldn't enjoy your days off? Like work was so bad, even the weekend was consumed with thoughts about how bad work was? Right? You haven't, you haven't, uh, you haven't recovered by Saturday and Sunday you're stressed out because you gotta go back tomorrow. Right? I mean, I've been there. A lot of people have been there. Uh, or maybe, how about this? You know, somebody in your family's sick, or maybe somebody's let you down, or somebody's disappointed you, or whatever, and it just consumes everything about your life, and even the food you eat doesn't taste as good. I think a lot of us have been there. Some of us might be there. But the Bible still says, oh, taste and see that He is good. The question is, how do we do that? 
We do so by trusting His promise found, I think, in verse 17. It says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. For those who are in Christ, listen to me, this is part of our inheritance that Jesus bought for us. It's not just a scripture that we think about and we just say it to kind of smooth things over and make us feel a little better. This is something we have to kind of root in. No, this is a truth that Jesus bought with His own blood so that we could know that we have access to it, not just any time we want, but especially when we need it the most. This is a truth that He has made available to us on our good days and more importantly on our bad days. Now, because we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we are promised that when we cry out to God, out of our brokenness and out of our trouble, He hears. And not only that, but He also promises to deliver us out of our troubles. we got to know that because here's the thing. You never feel more like God's not listening to you than when you really need to feel like He's listening to you, right? I feel like God's listening to me all the time whenever nothing's going on. I can just sit there and meditate on the goodness of God and be like, you know, Jesus, I want to stir affection for you and all that kind of stuff. But when my brain is consumed with things that are threatening the very fabric of my life, I can't focus on God very easily. And God seems so distant. When you need to feel Him the most, it's hard to feel Him. And that's when we have to understand that He promises in those moments when we cry, He hears. And He hears not because we deserve it. He hears because we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus supplied the righteousness to make us the righteous so we can cry and know that we're always heard by our Father who is in heaven and He rules everything. That's what we've got to know. That's what we've got to settle on and that's what we've got to rest in. And not only that, but like we said, He promises to deliver us out of our troubles. If you are frustrated, if you're wounded, if you're in despair, or if you're ashamed tonight, God is listening with a heart that beats to hear you cry and respond in fatherly compassion. Secondly, and at the same time, David continues on in verse 18 saying, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and He saves the crushed in spirit. We not only have an assurance of the Lord's help tonight, we also hear a call to action. If you're a believer in here tonight, God's not just giving you assurance, He's also calling you to do something. How will the Lord often grant encouragement to the discouraged among us? I'm not talking about just in the world. I'm talking to you. In the pews, you that are listening, how is God going to grant courage and encouragement and comfort to us when we're down and out? He will extend mercy, but how will He extend mercy to those caught in the trespass? He'll minister grace, but how will He minister grace to those who are in despair? He's going to heal the wounded, but how's He going to heal the wounded and comfort those who are in anguish? How else... Will the Lord prove that He's near to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit if He doesn't do it by the way of His own body? Did you hear what I just said? How else is He going to do all those things without doing it through us? He's going to do all those things and He's going to do it through you and me. That's how He's going to do it. He's going to do it by way of His own body. And Jesus makes this plain to us in Matthew 25. He's talking about the day of judgment. He says this, 
Verse 34, then the king will say to those on his right, those who are in Christ, those who are saved, he says, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So we see there, 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 there's going to be an opportunity for all of us, if we're in Christ, to be on both sides of that. We're going to be sometimes the brothers who are hurting and in despair and are crushed and in anguish. And then sometimes we're going to be the brothers that go to those who are hurting and in despair and crushed and anguish. And we're going to be used by Christ to meet the needs of His own body. We'll be the right hand helping the left or the left hand helping the right of the same body sometimes. And if you're here and you have a crushed spirit tonight, I want you to take heart. The Lord is listening to your cry and He will prove to be near you. You're not alone in your struggle. If you're strong tonight, pray that He'll use you to minister His encouragement to those who are hurting around you. Because Romans 15.1 tells us, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that You are blessed by what has been said so far, God. I pray that You'll glorify Yourself tonight in what's said uh, hereafter. Lord, I pray that you bless our classes. I pray that we would just uh, we'd give ourselves to you and that you'd speak to us, that you'd minister us, that you'd marinate our souls in your word tonight, Lord God. Give courage and encouragement to everybody who hears and everybody who preaches. And Lord, I pray that, like we said, you would be glorified tonight in everything we say and do and think because you deserve it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.